Good morning, gang. Man, I'm so thankful to be a part of a church like Christ Church and to see these kids up here and know that my kids are growing up in the same children's ministry. I'm just so thankful to be here this morning. Um, Before we get started, would you pray with me, please? Father God, I just thank you for who you are, Lord, and uh, I thank you for this place. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the special call you've put on our lives. And God, as we gather here this morning, as we talk about actually some tough stuff, Uh, Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would come into this place, that you would speak to us, that you would open our hearts and our minds to what you have to say. God, that it would be your words that are spoken here this morning and not mine. And through your precious Son's name we all pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, my name's Doug. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. I'm just really thankful to to be here to speak to you this morning. And uh, I chuckled to myself at the first service because I realized uh, last couple of times I've had the opportunity to preach, I think I've opened my sermon the same way every time. And that is that I love movies. I do. I love movies. I'm a, I'm a movie addict. I can, you know, the, 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 the first step is to admit you have a problem. I have a problem. Um, I own over a thousand DVDs and, and, uh, I, I, there's a group of us here at the church that are big comic book nerds and movie nerds and we go on, on Thursday nights to see, we just went this past week to see Transformers. We have a great time doing that. Um, a new thing that's got me is, is iTunes. They have their, their clutches in me. If you don't know, they release movies like a month early, so you could get it on your iPad like a month for everybody else, and uh, I just have a problem. But I can remember, I can remember the beginning of that problem. I can remember the very first day when I fell in love with movies. I was about 10 years old. And I don't know why, but we had a family gathering at the house, and, and it wasn't often that we did this. So my, my grandma was there, uh, my aunt and uncle were there, my brother, who's 12 years older than me, was home from college, and uh, I can remember we were all there, and we were looking for something to do, and someone suggested, hey, why don't we go and rent a movie, you know? So they sent my brother, which was their first mistake, to go to the, the movie theater and, and pick out a movie for us to see, and uh, and he picked out it just in an excellent piece of uh, Americana cinema, uh, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, right? <laughs> and um, I got to tell you, uh, the whole family wasn't very excited to see this movie, and my mom protested that I was way too young to watch this movie, but, but somehow I won the day, and I can remember watching this movie unfold in front of me, and the, the special effects, and the, the action, and, and Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime, and I said to myself, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> I love movies. In fact, when I, when I got older, I decided that I wanted to make movies. That's what I wanted to do. And I had a, a lot of opportunities uh, in creativity. I, I thought, well, maybe I'll, I'll move out to L.A., and I'll make movies. Uh, I went to film school for a short period of time. Maybe I'll, I'll learn how to make movies. Uh, when I was in high school, I, I was really big into art, too. And I, I can remember after my junior year, I got accepted into governor's school for, for sketching. It's a difficult thing to do. And, and that was an opportunity for me. Uh, later on, I had an opportunity uh, to go and maybe learn how, how to do graphic design, learn a little bit more skills about that, learn about electronic communications and website development and and there was all these opportunities in front of me. But I never took them. I never really fulfilled those dreams. I never really chased after them. And, and I could be honest with you now, and in fact, the first service was the first time I ever confessed this, but I never chased after them because I was deathly afraid. I was afraid of failure. I really was. I was afraid that I didn't have what it takes 
I, I was afraid that maybe if I go out to California, I'd just be another starving artist out there and have to call home for help. I was terrified. And, and the years I spent in college, man, I just, I just wasted my life. You know what I would do is I would tell myself a lot of excuses. Have you ever done that? You ever been afraid to do something and so you begin to tell yourself some excuses? Or, or what I say is you begin to tell yourself some rational lies and you say to yourself, oh, I can't do this. I'm not able to, I'm not equipped to do that. And so you begin to tell yourself a lot of excuses. We're in a series right now that I'm really excited about. We're taking a look at a lot of Old Testament characters so that we could find purpose for our lives today. And I'm really excited about that. And the person that I get to talk to you about today is a man of many excuses. And that man is Moses. Now, most people don't know that. In fact, when I read the, the children's Bible to my kids, you know, they, they, they depict a lot of the great parts of Moses. And we miss a lot of the shortcomings of Moses. But man, did he have many. Did you know that Moses was a murderer? Did you know that Moses was a liar? Did you know that Moses had an anger problem? Did you know that Moses ran and hid from his purpose? Let me give you a little background. If you didn't grow up in Sunday school, the Hebrew nation, the Israelites, the Jewish people, God's chosen people, they were enslaved by Egypt. And they had been there a great many years. A lot of people wonder, how did uh, you know, one of the seven great wonders of the world, how did the Egyptians make these pyramids? Well, well God's chosen people were there to make them. They were, they were enslaved by Egypt. And it was horrible conditions. But they were fruitful and they multiplied. In fact, uh, the Pharaoh at the time was very concerned because the slaves were growing uh, more and more in number and they had already outnumbered the Egyptians and he realized the more number that they grow, they're going to they're gonna go ahead and, and overthrow their slave masters. So he came up with an idea. He said, let's kill all of the male babies. Let's, let's kill them all. We'll wipe out a whole generation. So that's what he decided to do. One of those babies was Moses. And his mother, as you may have read in a children's Bible or, or heard in a, a Sunday school song, uh, uh, fashioned this basket-type thing, put him in the, in the river and sent him downstream so that he might be saved. And he was. The Pharaoh's daughter, the princess, discovered Moses, adopted him, and, and raised him as her own. But she knew that he was a Hebrew baby. She didn't make a secret about that. He knew his birth mother as well as his adopted mother, and he grew up to be one of the most powerful men there can be, a prince of Egypt. He was a powerful man. He had influence and power. And he had a heart for his people who wouldn't, these slaves that the uh, Egyptians were persecuting. He wanted to, to free those slaves, and he took it upon his own one day with a raging temper, Seeing an Egyptian slave master whipping one of his own people, he decided to kill him. He murdered him. And he dragged him in the desert, and he buried them there. And fearing that he would be caught for what he did, he ran and lived in the wilderness and hid for 40 years. It makes me think, and I ask myself this sometimes, maybe you might ask yourself this morning, what have you buried in the desert? What are you running and hiding from? This is where we find Moses. When God appeared to him in a bush that would not be consumed by fire, 
And he spoke to him and he gave him a mission. He called him. What was Moses doing during this time? He was, he was a shepherd. Now let me tell you that uh, a shepherd, uh, for a man Moses' age, it wasn't really the ideal career choice at this time. Uh, a shepherd was usually for older folks or, or younger folks. It reminds me of the time that I was flipping burgers at Burger King. Right? There's nothing wrong with working at Burger King. It's a means to make money. But as a teenager, it, it wasn't one of my career choices. In fact, not too long ago, I was working at Chili's. I was in between jobs and, and uh, needed to have some income, so I went and got a job, went to Chili's. I remember my very first day of orientation at Chili's. Right? There was a big poster uh, right where you work, and it said, uh, Employees must wash your hands. And then, in case you didn't remember, it gave you steps on how to go ahead and wash your hands. And I had to take a test to make sure that I knew that, right? I can remember being this career guy and, and working at Chili's. It's the right thing to do. There's nothing wrong with it. But this is where we find Moses. So Moses is called by God, and he's given a mission. Let's, I'm going to read it to you again from Exodus 3, starting at verse 7. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, and Mosquito Bites. So we'll see if you're paying attention. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. And he's speaking to Moses here. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. The other day I was... Uh, I was having a daddy date with my girls, and um, my, my wife was working, and so we, uh, we went to Old Navy, and then we had to go to a doctor's appointment, then we went to Chick-fil-A. And so I'm driving what I call the Man Fort, which is our minivan, and I'm driving uh, uh, down the road, and I look out the window, and I see this picture. I see another, another guy in his Man Fort, um, and, and it says right there on the side, he has a sign. It says, Jesus' disciple. He's a disciple of Jesus. I want to roll down the window and say, hey, yeah, me too. We're on the same team, you know. And, uh, but I thought, man, that's, that's kind of dangerous to put that on your car, you know, uh, because you're kind of held to a different standard when you say that you're a disciple of Christ. And so anyone who might get road rage or something like that, you know, you got this, this sign right there. But, but gang, isn't it true? We are held to a different standard if we're a follower of Christ. Now, I know that many of you in here claim to be a follower of Christ. You claim to be a disciple. You practice the disciplines of being a follower of Christ, and you follow in his footsteps. But I also know that there's many people in here who, who might not know the Lord. And let me just say first, that I'm just really glad you're here. I'm just really excited you're here. I have a great deal of respect for people who are willing to come and listen uh, about this book being taught, because I know just too many people uh, who, who form opinions about this book without even reading it. So I'm just really thankful you're here. I'm glad that you're here. I hope that you could find a, a place that will love you and, and treat you uh, as part of the family. But if you are here and you claim to be a follower of Christ, I want to talk to you for a while. And I'm going to warn you, I want to say some things today that are going to be a little tough to swallow, that are going to be a little challenging. And I ask myself these same things. 
You see, God gave Moses a mission. And, and Jesus, God gives us, disciples of Christ, a mission as well. God chooses us just as, as God chose Moses to, to, to be his spokesperson, to go and, and save the Israelites, God chooses us to be his spokesperson and, and speak to those who don't know the Lord. Let me show you the very first words Jesus says uh, to who would be his disciples. Matthew chapter 4. Jesus called out to them and said, Come, follow me. Right, a disciple is a follower of Christ. Come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. Now let me show you the very last words that Jesus said to his followers uh, before he ascended into heaven. In Matthew 28, verse 19, he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, wouldn't you think that the very first words that Jesus spoke to his disciples and the very last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples have to paint a pretty big picture? Gang, this is, this is what we've signed up for. I'm just going to be honest with you. If you're a follower of Christ, sharing Christ's message with other people, sharing God's love with other people, that's, that's what we've signed up for. God has given us a mission. Let me illustrate it this way. I have two little girls and someday those girls are going to grow up to be teenagers. And someday I'm going to go up to one of them and maybe both of them and say, go clean your room. Right? Go clean your room. Now, let's pretend that one of them comes back to me and they're really excited. And they come back and they say, Dad, I got it. I, 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 I got it. I, I memorized what you said. You said, go clean your room. Did they actually clean their room or did they just memorize what I said? Here's another way to put it. Dad, I, I got it. You know, you told me to go clean my room, and here's what I did. I gathered a group of people together, and we sat around, and we discussed what it would be like if I went and cleaned my room. <laughs> Dad, I, I got it. I did it this time. I gathered together with hundreds of people, and we stood, and there was this amazing band, and we sang songs about cleaning my room. Don't miss the point. Worship is very important. It's what we were created to do. Right? Studying Scripture is incredibly important. It helps us to become more Christ-like in our life. Memorizing Scripture is incredibly important. But God has given us a mission, and it's not optional. So maybe you've been telling yourself some excuses. I know I have. Maybe uh, you've been telling yourself some excuses. Maybe you've been telling God some excuses. I challenge myself sometimes. I ask questions like, when was the last time I prayed with someone to begin a relationship with Christ? It's a tough pill to swallow. Maybe go a little easier on myself and I say, okay, but when was the last time I just shared my faith with someone? Or when was the last time I just invited someone to a place where Jesus Christ is going to be talked about? Moses told God some similar excuses. And I want to highlight just, just four of them with you this morning because I think they're the same excuses I know I'm, I tell God from time to time. And maybe you might struggle with too. Here's the first excuse. I'm a failure. Ever say that? Uh, you don't want me. I'm a sinner. You don't, you don't want to use me. Exodus 3, this is what Moses says. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? 
Have you ever said that? Have you ever said, man, I'm a screw up. Doug, you don't know how I'm living my life. God can't use me. When I was in one of the schools that I failed out of, (laughs) I was at Slippery Rock University, and I was wasting my life. I was drinking and partying all the time, and, and my youth pastor I don't know what encouraged him to do this, but he loved me enough. It had been many years that he called me up and he said, I want to buy you lunch. So he bought me lunch at Pizza Hut. And he said, Doug, we're starting a church down on the south side of Pittsburgh and I I want you to be involved. I want you to help me do that. And I said to him the same excuse. I said, Jeff, you, you don't know me. You don't know the way I've been living. You don't know me. God can't use me. And he told me, that no matter how I've been living my life, I'm still worth something to God. It reminded me of an illustration that he used to tell me when I was a kid. I've got a $5 bill here, and this $5 bill works a lot better if it's a $100 bill, but I don't have access to those. So we're going we're gonna to talk about a $5 bill. But let's pretend that I, I, I'm uh, you know, walking out of Walmart, I'm walking down the street, and, and I drop this, this money on the ground. Isn't that great? feeling when you're walking in the parking lot, you see money, you know, and I'm walking down the street and I drop this and let's pretend it's not noticed right away. It's, it's stepped on, right? It goes, it goes into the mud. Uh, maybe it starts to go down the sewer a little bit and it gets kind of stuck, uh, uh, you know, in the storm drain, right? And it's a dirty, uh, mess, right? But if you see this, if you're walking by, you're, you're going to pick it up. You're going to say, sweet, <laughs> five bucks, Why? Because no matter how dirty, no matter how messy, no matter how scummy this gets, it's still worth $5. Gang, the same's with your life. No matter what you've done with your life, no matter where you've gone, no matter how much dirt you've rolled in, no matter how many bad choices you've made, you're still worth something to God. In fact, He paid a price for you. I'm a failure is not an excuse that works. So here's another one that Moses said. He said, I don't know enough. I don't know enough to go do this. Have you ever said something like that? Moses says uh, something similar in Exodus 3, uh, 13. Moses protested, If I go to the Israelite people and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? I don't even know who you are. I don't, I don't know your name. I, I, don't, I have no answers. I can't go do this. I know a lot of people that have, have said something like this before, right? You need to send a, a pastor Someone who's trained to go do that. Someone with a a fancy seminary degree to be able to go and speak, because I don't have all the answers. Well, gang, I I don't have a fancy seminary degree. And i got to tell you, I have seen God work through... I work with teenagers for a living. And I have seen just amazing things happen because teenagers are willing to say, yes, I'll share. Because these are the questions they ask themselves. They say, well, do I know... Uh, that Jesus died and rose again for me. Well, then I know enough. Well, do I know what my life was like before Christ and what my life is like now uh, that I have a relationship with Christ? Well, then I know enough. In fact, I used to work in Indiana, PA, and I remember a teenager that I met uh, when he was just in 10th grade, and he was dealing drugs. And I went and I spent some time with this teenager He loved coming to the youth group just because of the way that we kind of loved and accepted him. And sooner or later, he began a relationship with Christ. And I was just blown away by that. It was amazing. But I was more blown away by the way God worked through him. Man, God gave him his Holy Spirit. And this kid would walk the streets, would go into the high schools, would share Christ with all of these people. And so many people came to the Lord because this kid 
was willing to say yes. He, he's since graduated high school. He's 19 or 20. He's going off to Seattle to, to learn to be a pastor. And it's all because of the blessings of him uh, that God gave him just because he was willing to say yes. Now, he's still a kid. I don't know if I'd trust him for more than two hours with my little girls. But I'm telling you the truth. If I'm going to go on mission to share Christ, there's no one that I know, there's no one that I'd rather have than this kid by my side. Honestly, it is amazing to see him work. And at first, he might say, I don't know enough to go do this. Here's the third excuse. They won't believe me. Right? Moses says in Exodus 4, Moses protests again, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, the Lord has never appeared to you? Gang, I want to tell you the truth. If you accept this challenge and you go and you start sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to other people, there is a very, very good chance that people will not believe you. There's a very good chance that that's going to happen. But i got to tell you, that has nothing to do with you. That has nothing to do with you. When someone begins a relationship with Jesus Christ, that has to do with that person and Jesus Christ. Your job is just to introduce them to each other. That has nothing to do with you. It's not a failure to go and, and share the love of Jesus Christ with somebody and they say, you know what, that's, that's just not for me. That is a success that you were willing to say yes and that you were willing to go do that. You know, lots of times... I, I got to say, this is a big one for me. Uh, it's hard for me to, to go and and uh, and share with some people. Uh, I have a friend uh, that I just love to death, uh, and uh, another friend that lives out of town, and and we were all together around a campfire, and uh, I just felt this was a couple weeks ago, and I just felt the Lord uh, just the pressure coming down on me that that I need to share with these friends about Jesus Christ because I love them, and I did. And it went horrible. It did not go well. They, they treated me with respect. In fact, the next day, one of them sent me a text message and said, hey, I just want to thank you for, for, for loving me enough to share that, but that's just not for me. But I, I got to tell you, um, I, just, I just felt this overwhelming need that I needed to do that. I pray that God will get a hold of those guys, that someone else will come along, that God will still get a hold of them. But I had to step out of my comfort zone to do that. We love our comfort zones, don't we? Even in church, we love our comfort zones, right? We love a particular kind of music, so it leads us to certain places to worship. Maybe today you're sitting in a seat that you like to sit in often, and you find yourself comfortable in that seat, and you go to the same place almost every week. Right, we have people that we love to talk to afterwards. We're looking forward to seeing them, having a cup of coffee with them because we're comfortable. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I will say this, I can't think of too many times that I've seen God use someone within their comfort zone. In fact, almost every biblical character I read about, almost every person I've seen in action, God is calling them out of their comfort zone. Tomorrow morning at 5.30 in the morning, I'm gathering a group of 30 teenagers and we're going on a mission trip to Philly. 5.30 in the morning is not my comfort zone, right? Downtown Philly is not my comfort zone. I remember, I've been going there for about a little under 10 years. I can remember the first time I went, um, I had been working in inner city ministry and so I thought, yeah, Philadelphia, inner city ministry, this is me. And downtown Pittsburgh is 
nothing compared to downtown Philadelphia. You will be out of your comfort zone. There's another group of teenagers in a couple of weeks going to Jamaica out of their comfort zone. Not the, the wonderful uh, beaches and resorts of Jamaica, but the real Jamaica. And they're going out of their comfort zone. There's a family that we know and love that just came uh, back from Ethiopia here at the church. I've been looking at pictures of them on Facebook. They were stepping out of their comfort zone. But gang, maybe your comfort zone is right across the street. Maybe your comfort zone is the cubicle next to you at work. Maybe your comfort zone is a family member that you love that you haven't spoken with about Christ in quite some time. One more final excuse. Moses says to God, I'm too weak. I'm paraphrasing. Have you ever said that? I'm too weak. I'm not usable. I don't have skills. People don't respect me. This is the way Moses says it in Exodus 4. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, O Lord, I'm not very good with words. I have never been and I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me. I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. I don't know if you've ever said something like this where you just say, I'm not usable, I'm too weak, I don't have skills. People, People don't listen to me, they don't respect me. If that's you, if you're saying I'm too weak by the world's standards, let me just say that God has you right where he wants you. That God doesn't choose people who are strong by the world's standards, but people who are weak by the world's standards. God chooses shepherds and fishermen and tax collectors and and failures like myself. God chooses uh, these types of people so that they can't claim, oh, I, I did this my own. I got all the strength myself that that they have to rely upon the Lord and the Lord's strength. You see, I believe that God had Moses right where he wanted him. Lots of times I've taught on this scripture and I've known other pastors who have and and we we teach it in such a way and we, we say, what was wrong with Moses? If I was there, I would have said, yes, let's go. No, I wouldn't have. Moses gave these excuses, but I believe it was because mentally, In his heart, God had him right where he wanted him. You see, Moses was once a very powerful man. Why didn't God choose Moses then? When he he had a a relationship with the Pharaoh, when when he had a little bit of power, when he had something to work with, right? Moses tried to free the Hebrew slaves on his own. He chose the world's way. Let's kill them all. God sent Moses to the school of hard knocks. Anybody ever been there? (laughs) School of hard knocks in in the wilderness, right? God sends most of the people he chose in Scripture to the school of hard knocks in the wilderness. Gang, maybe you're in the school of hard knocks right now. Maybe you're struggling with something. Maybe something's going on with your life. Maybe you're carrying a load that you just don't think you can bear. I heard a great illustration this week about a pickup truck and how on a rough terrain or on ice, a pickup truck drives straighter with a load in the back. And it said, you know, a follower of Christ is the same way. We drive straighter when we're carrying a load, right? I don't know, maybe you're in the wilderness right now, and if that's the case, I just want to say, I bet you God's preparing you. God's preparing you to be used. That's what he did to Moses. Moses developed humility. In Numbers 12, it says this, chapter, or verse 3, Now Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on earth. I remember my very first job as a youth pastor, uh, I was given this wickedly long personality tests to take and I had to answer all these questions about who I was and how I thought and everything else and I remember this one question on a scale from one to ten how humble are you 
And I thought, man, <laughs> if I put one, I'm in trouble, right? If I put ten, I'm in trouble, right? I'm the most humble Christian you have ever met. I'm so humble. You know, I circled five. <laughs> right? Moses was humble. Moses got an attitude check. God had Moses right where he wanted him. You know, God answered every single one of these excuses, but there's one I want to focus on here this morning. Verse 12, Exodus 3, God answered, I will be with you. I will be with you. And this is your sign that I'm the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. How are you going to know that I was with you when you succeed? Because you can't do it on your own. If you've said any of these excuses, God, I can't do this. God's saying, you're right. I'm going to do it. But I'm choosing you to go first. God doesn't say, you're going to rescue my people. He says, I'm going to do it. Jesus says the same things to his disciples. Take a look at, once again, Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. Here it is. I am with you, even to the end of the age. Even today. Jesus says, listen, this is the mission. This is what you're called to do. If you call yourself a follower of Christ, if you call yourself a follower of mine, this is what you're to do. But I'm going to be with you. He doesn't say you're going to save people from their sins. He says I'm going to do it. He doesn't say you're going to transform people's hearts. He doesn't say you're going to turn people from the world's way and turn it to my way. He says I'm going to do that. But I just need you to introduce me to them. I have these two beautiful twin girls and right now I'm just soaking it up because I know they're going to be teenagers soon. And I come home and they just scream, Daddy! And they come running to me and they hug me and they kiss me and I'm just soaking it up. And I just love the way that they interact with other people. I love it. I see the way that God has designed them. I told you earlier, I took them to Old Navy and when I was in there, they were just walking up to people and talking and, and this is what they do. They say, me Ella, this me dad. Me Kira, this me dad. No matter who it is, they'll walk up to you and they'll say, this me dad, Right? That's what we were designed to do. We were designed, we were hardwired to tell people about God our Father. This, this is the Lord. This is Jesus. I have a relationship with this guy. I, I, want, I want to introduce you to him. Now, I wish I had a whole other sermon to talk to you about how the Holy Spirit uses us, how God speaks through us, and, and, and some steps to take to be able to introduce people to others. But what I've learned is that if we show up and do the possible, that God will do the impossible. Are you able to do the possible? Are you able to begin a conversation with someone else because you want them to know the Lord? Are you able to, to pray with, with someone? Are you able to share your faith with someone? Are you able to, to just go buy a Bible for someone? It's 10 bucks. Just say, hey, I was thinking of you. I bought this study Bible for you. Are you able to do that? Are you able to invite someone where, where Christ is being preached? You know, we've been, we've been uh, talking about this event, Franklin Graham's coming to town. There's a concert surrounding that for a whole weekend. Uh, we've been talking about that a lot. It's not going to be the last time you've heard it. Are you able to just invite somebody to that? Say, hey, listen, I'm going to tell you the truth. We're going to talk about Jesus there. But I just want you to come. Will you come? Will you give me a couple of hours? You see, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, you know what? I hope I don't get invited anywhere today. Nobody does that. Everybody loves to be invited. Everybody loves to be included. They might say no. 
But they're not going to be upset that you invited them. They're not going to be upset that you invited them to church. Hey, i got this great church. We serve food after service. Would you come? I'll buy you some breakfast, right? Inviting people is what it's all about. Sharing the message of Jesus Christ is what it's all about. My favorite phrase, I don't know if this is something you can use, but I just, I just stop short with people and I just say, hey, do you know the Lord? Do, do you know the Lord? And I can't tell you how many conversations, wonderful conversations that leads to. I know this is hard stuff. It's hard for me too. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for this time here this morning. And Lord God, uh, some of the challenges you give us, they're, they're not easy. And sometimes we don't like to think about some of the tough stuff. But Lord God, I just know, like John 10.10 says, I've come to give you life and give it to the fullest. That you don't just give us eternal life, but you have made us for a purpose right here on earth today. Something we could begin doing this afternoon or tomorrow. And God, I know from personal experience that there is nothing like your life coming alive when you begin to discover and fulfill that purpose. And God, maybe that purpose can be fulfilled through, through uh, music, maybe it could be fulfilled through preaching, maybe it could be fulfilled uh, through a lot of things, but I know that no matter what we do in life, even if we're working at Chili's, that that purpose involves telling others about you. So God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come, that you would give us eyes to see, that you would uh, place people on our hearts, that maybe we're not going to go out and free hundreds of people from Israel, but we might be able to help save one person that might live across the street from us. Thank you, Lord. It's your name we pray. Amen.